The words of the Lord from Mark chapter 10. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Oh, we can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of our Lord, you may be seated. Seven thousand three hundred. Seven thousand three hundred. Moms and dad, that amounts to the number of diapers that you will change when you have a baby. And maybe, how many of you are past the seven thousand now? You're done with that? All right. Seven thousand. 300. It's a tough job, isn't it? Being a parent. It's a tough one. We have a lot of parents here today, so I wanted to especially share a little bit with you of sympathy, empathy, encouragement, gratitude for doing what you do. 7,000 300 times, and in countless other ways. For today, you are a good example of what Jesus is talking about when he says, we are here to serve. We are here to serve others, to to help others, to care for others. Or as we like to say here at Advent, love is why we are here. Love, say that with me, love is why we are here. Love is why we're here. And love compels us to serve, and serving teaches us to love. And there is hardly a better example than 7,300 diapers. Any of you guys use cloth diapers, by the way? This was... My babies were born back in the day. There was this this kick about using cloth diapers all over again. I do not recommend it. It turns out to be almost dangerous as you are changing this unsanitary diaper and poking yourself with the pins. It's just not a good idea. We're here to serve. But it, it maybe doesn't start that way for parents. 
Um, sometimes um, those who are looking forward to having a child start to dream about what that's going to be like. And, and I'm going to say maybe moms especially. Men, we don't have that baby growing in us. It's a little harder for us to figure that out. But you know it. You know what's there. You know what's coming. And you think, what's it going to be like? What's it going to be like to have this baby? It's a dream, right? A dream. You know, a dream that you're going to sit like Victoria on this wonderful throne and be the queen. The queen with my little babies all happily playing around. Do you watch Victoria? Anybody watch Victoria? They had, she had nannies, baby. She didn't do anything. She had nannies. But what a dream, huh? What a dream. There you are, sitting on your throne, and, and, and you just can imagine, it's going to be so nice when I have that little child, and it's going to look up at me, and it's going to smile. And the first week of life, it's going to smile at me until the doctor says, that's probably gas. But no, no. They're smiling at you. And, and you start dreaming, oh my gosh, I can't wait till they, they um, start to walk across the room to me. And then you find out as parents, they never walk to you. They're always walking away. And you're chasing after them. This dream, this wonderful, wonderful dream that, 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 that um, you're going to get all sorts of hugs and kisses of appreciation. That every time you, you get them involved in something to chores to help around the house. They're going to be filled with cooperation. Um, you're going to get these cute drawings that say, I love you, Mommy, and it's going to be on the refrigerator for like 19 years because it's the last time you get that written down for you. And breakfast in bed on your birthday, right? Right? A full paragraph in the valedictorian speech I could not done it without her. And let me tell you about her. The dream. Let's talk reality. The kind of throne some moms find themselves sitting on is not so glamorous. Here is mommy. She's not using the facilities. She is hiding in the facilities. And we've got the Mama, I just want to read one chapter of something that doesn't have a purple crayon as the lead character. Please, just let me have one little break here. And there's the throne. The throne for mommies. The place where it all comes together. You will spend 2,520 nights doing their homework. I mean, helping them with their homework. By 18, if you go for two meals a day, which I recommend, you will have made 13,000 meals or approximately 13,000 drive through visits, however you handle it. I didn't include lunches because I don't recommend making them. Let them buy them. They won't eat what you pack. They'll trade it away. By age 20, it's estimated that most uh, soccer moms and soccer dads have driven 27,000 miles to take your kids to soccer. For which half the time, the child is sitting somewhere not wanting to play. 
and picking daisies or whatever else they might do. And just to sober everybody up this morning, you're letting yourself in for the average of $233,000 in child care costs. That is, of course, unless you go to Advent, then you can double that. Can I get a witness? By the way, thank you for that, too. We couldn't do it without you. So the dream, probably no one's that pie-eyed when they dream about having a child. But the reality is something quite different. And yet, isn't it interesting, people keep having kids on purpose. On purpose. They want to have kids. They want someone to love in this particular way. They want to serve. They want to do diapers. Oh, yes, they do. They want to do everything they can for the kid. You are numbered among those. We did ours too. I can tell you, it never ends. Daughter just got a house. That pretty much should let me off the hook, except guess what? Someone needs to stand and and change all the light fixtures with your hands overhead. Now, I never studied anything to do with electricity. So, she's taking her chances with me. It never ends. It never ends. But it's okay, right? It's, it's better than okay. It's, it's great. Why? How? Well, Jesus, I think, knows that very well. He understands why you're willing to serve. And he just encourages that to be the way, the truth, and the life of Christians in general. For he came to serve too. He came to serve us, all of us. James and John haven't gotten that figured out yet. James and John are asking for perks. Can I sit at your right hand? Can I sit at your left hand? I'd like to be in in that cool throne room, right? I'd like to be up there with you. Um, You can have the center one, Jesus. You deserve it. But we want to be prominent. They don't get it. They don't understand They think this is a a climb to success. You know what it's a climb to for them? It's a climb to Calvary. It's a climb to the cross. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a climb. Jesus says, are you sure you know what you're asking for? He knows they don't. Do you really want to be at the right hand, left hand of Jesus? That's where the two thieves were hung. And interestingly enough, He says they will, and they do. For James gladly dies for the faith. John is later imprisoned for the faith. But at this time, they don't get it. They don't understand that he came to serve. Paul will help us understand it when he says, "Um, Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. You know, God's like the, um, uh, Jesus is like the, the son of the owner of a restaurant who's working busboy. And fine with that. He doesn't go around to everybody and says, my dad owns this place. He just keeps his head down and keeps the dishes going. Jesus came to serve. Again and again, you don't find any evidence of Jesus wanting glory for himself, honor for himself, credit for himself. 
He deflects all the credit to God every time, just like a good baseball or football player do when the microphone is put in front of them. Oh, it wasn't me. It was the team. That's the way Jesus is. He came to serve. And the most dramatic example we've had is this one, which is coming up shortly, which is the night of the Last Supper where Jesus shocks and amazes everyone. He does what the servants do when you come to a nice home in those days. You take your sandals off and wash your dusty feet. Jesus is the host. He shouldn't be doing this. You have an MBA and you're changing diapers. It's all right though, right? It's more than all right. Does that contrast bother you? No. Why? I love my children. Does it bother Jesus that he is one with God and he is washing feet? Not in the least because he loves his children. He just loves them. So he wants to do whatever he can for them. What an amazing example. What amazing inspiration. Where you'd think the the sign of any success, and indeed we're hearing a lot of times now preached around the country, this idea that that the more faithful you become, the wealthier you might become. Well, wealth is a wonderful thing. Go for it. But we're called to be servants. And it's a wonderful calling because, hey, it's Jesus' line of work. It's what he did. It's what he came to do, to serve, as Paul says, being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That servanthood led him to the cross, led to our salvation, because when he died on the cross, he took all of our selfishness, all of our shame, and all of our sin, bundled it up and destroyed it, forever. You are loved by God. Nothing will ever get in the way of that. And you have a future with God. Nothing will ever get in the way of that because of what he did. This humble servant who died for us. But it's hard. Ain't gonna lie. Two in the morning, baby screaming, wet diaper. Oh, if only wet. Hmm, what did they eat? You've got to change it. Your eyes are bleary. Your wife's snoring. Your husband's snoring. And there you are. You and one ungrateful baby. One ungrateful kid doing what you want to do what you want to do. Love them. Because that's why you had them. It's hard, though. Anybody been a waiter or a waitress here? Anybody worked in customer service? Anybody uh, managed millennials? (laughs) It's hard work. It's hard work, isn't it? These times where we have to interface with the customers, when we have to interact with people who are sort of paying us to serve them. Let's, let's look at some of the people that we might find if we were 
of waiting a table. I'm ready to order. Stop. No, no, not you, no. You, yes. I'm on the phone. Wait, sorry. This waiter thing's so rude. It's just like really pink. I really like mine like really well done. It's too bloody. Too bloody. Is this alive? It's still moving. One cheeseburger well done. This is burnt. You've totally ruined it. How'd you like your meal? I hated it. Hey, uh, can you package it up? Okay, let me break this down for you. Let's do my pile on this one. I know it looks similar to this one, but they're very different. Do you guys take MX? Make sure to run this one as a debit. Hold on, shoot. Is it this one or this one? It's really important you don't mess this up. Yeah, what's the Wi-Fi? Do you guys have Wi-Fi here? Do I have to, like, order something to get the Wi-Fi? Is that the deal, buddy? Do you want to read my screenplay? Is the Wi-Fi password a zero or an O? I tried them both and neither works. Is your produce grass-fed? Do you have fruit-free range? What can I eat that is cage-free, dairy-free, nut-free, seed-free? And I never touch any food that has been touched by another human. Can I take Starbucks gift cards? No. Do you want to check? This is my ID. This is just a good picture. And I'll take a punch on my punch card. That's for a different restaurant? Okay. Is it okay if I have some of my friends come in? There's like 10 of us. Uh, We're just going to squeeze these. We pull up a couple chairs. Sure. Maybe four. I have a baby coming. She's a screamer. Yeah, no, they're not going to eat food. We're just going to need a round of water for the table. Thank you. What is this ribeye for one? Because I'm single, recently single, left me for another woman, just trash. How's your cottage cheese? Because I have irritable bowel syndrome. How's my day going? Don't get me started. I'll start. There are some things I can tell you about my mother that would make your head spin. All the way around, and again, and again. Oh, shoot, before I forget, because I'm, I'm visiting, and I know my friends keep telling me you have to tip. It's different for us, but here's your tip. You deserved it. You're wonderful. It might be easier to love your child in flesh and blood, but it can be hard to apply that to other people sometimes. It's hard. People can be so rude. They can be so ungrateful. They can be so demanding. How are we supposed to, to deal with that again and again, to be people who, who really serve with a smile? How do we do that it is a calling for Christians, not just to characters, there are children, but to love our neighbors as ourselves, to even love our enemies, which some of these characters very well might feel like an enemy when you're working that job. How do we do that? It really takes understanding, a lot of understanding. Root people are generally very unhappy people. Very unhappy people. And I know when I'm unhappy, that's when I get rude. What do you do when you're serving people who are rude? Look past their rudeness. Think about their unhappiness. And think for a moment that maybe something I do when I serve them, when I bless them, when I reach out to them, might just help them. It might just. It might not. But for some reason, when we understand where people are coming from, service kind of follows People can be so demanding. They can be like bottomless pits. They just keep wanting more and more and more. That's the way it is at my house when we make popcorn. More and more. Demanding people are scared of not having enough. They're frightened that they won't get enough. They won't have enough. There won't be enough. And so they just keep asking for more. It's a reflex. It's a terrible reflex. 
You'll never fill it for them. But serve them anyway. People can be so ungrateful. Hard to get a thank you. Hard to get a recognition for what you've done. Don't do it for that reason. It's a losing game. See, we are rude and demanding and ungrateful people. God knows. And yet, does God stop showering us with blessings? Did Jesus give up on James and John and Peter? No. He came to serve. If you know what you came for, if you know why you're here, it gets easier. And it gets better. It gets better. It gets wonderful, in fact. Love is why we serve. Love is the thing that we get and we give when we serve. I wasn't sure how I felt about my uncle. My uncle had lived in Chicago as long as I could remember. I'd never really had much of a relationship with them, with him. Um, he was a little different, or a lot, if you ask other people. And he kind of lived by himself, kept to himself, and, and with occasional visits, annually maybe, I kept up with him a little. Then we found out he'd fallen. And it seemed like the best thing to do was to get him here to Advent Square and put him in the assisted living facility. There was only one problem. He had no ID. So how do you take somebody who's living in Chicago and get them to Boca Raton with an ID? Do you know you can, you can talk to these TSA people. You could talk to them. I talked them in to let us kidnap my uncle and get him on the plane. I don't know why they let us. Maybe we just, you know, looked like a pity case. But we got him here, and we settled him in. And I thought, that's great. Adam Squirrel will take care of him. I'll visit him occasionally. He's really wonderful. Until I found out that he needed doctor's appointments. Couldn't walk. How do you get someone to a doctor's appointment? This is new for me. I'll have to tell you. How do you get someone to a doctor's appointment that can't walk? Okay, you, they're, they're in a um, lazy boy chair. You get them up in the lazy boy chair, and then you scream for help for one of the other nurses to help you pivot him around and have him collapse into the chair, right? It's not elegant. Don't miss the chair. Make sure you put the locks on the chair. And then once you've got him in, then, then it's, how do I get out the door? I don't think about doors at all. I'm able to go through doors. How do you get someone in a wheelchair through a door? You turn them around backwards. You elbow the the, uh, crash bar. And then you kick with your heel like this. And then you pull him through as fast as you can before the door hits the wheelchair. Easy, right? And then, you know, there's things like ramps. Uh, Did you know that um, despite looking secure in a wheelchair, if you put someone on a down ramp, they can literally fall right out of the ramp? You know that even though you tell your uncle to keep his feet up, that every ten steps he drops his feet down and gets them underneath the wheelchair? It was incredible. I haven't even gotten in my car yet. 
we get to the car, and I'm getting him into the car, and you don't notice these things, right? There's the seatbelt thing that's in the way of getting him in the back seat. I get him in, and then something happens as I'm moving the wheelchair out of the way. He somehow gets himself caught in the strap around his neck, and you know the straps, you can't pull them back out again. They are like quicksand. They just keep tightening. My uncle is almost hanging by the neck from my car. Fortunately, a firefighter whose uh, family member was at Evans Square came to my rescue. I thought we were going to have to cut the seatbelt. And I still haven't gotten to the doctor's office. That's another sermon. All of these things, so frustrating, so annoying, such a pain and you know what, didn't bother me at all. I'm like, why is this not bothering me? This is terrible. This is annoying. This is awful. Why is this not bothering me? And then it occurred to me something I guess I didn't know. I guess I loved my uncle. I guess I did. I, I mean, I must have. Right? Love is why we serve. It's why we put up with our kids. And for some of us who are now in the sandwich generation, your parents... It's why we do what we do. The key is to, to remember that in all interactions, in the interactions we have with our kids and with the people we're especially called to love, and with all the people that we come together with. And, and it is such a blessing to others when we serve, when we serve them. Our church is involved in serving. If you'd like to find ways to serve, our church has ways to serve. Your own neighborhood, I'm certain, has need of you. People at work, you cannot go anywhere where people don't need a door held open and a helping hand. That's why we are here. Friends, we have a choice we can make, and uh, we're going to spend our whole life trying to make it. Do we just want to change our lives? That's a big job. Get a good job, get a nice house. Make sure the car works. Get the kids the right education. Do everything we need to do. We want to do all that? Yes. Amen. Of course we do. Do we want to do that? Yes. It's our responsibility. But is that all? See, we can do everything we want for our family, but our family still has to go out in the world. And if we don't change, if we only change our family, that world's never going to be changed. So, so somehow... We need to find a way to do both. To change our lives by serving those we love, but also to change the world by serving those who need us, who need God's love. It's a choice to make. It's a wonderful one. It's the one of Jesus. And don't you want your children to go out in a world where there are people like you, loving and serving and changing it for the better, even if you never get breakfast in bed. Amen.